I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory. Victory in spite of all terror. Welcome, everybody, to the first and high-flying episode of the brand new, first time ever, The Other Club with the King of Nuance, Michael Thiessen, and Mr. Thick, Tim Tyso, with you here uh, to do what you've come to love from me and Mike. We are going to be covering the big issues that are going on in your backyard and mine, and we're going to take the time to tease those out. Uh, Mike, what is The Other Club, and why is our show called this? Why did we pick this brilliant and, uh, and nuanced and poignant title for our new show that is dropping on Wednesdays? Well, so first of all, for everybody, um, the title of Mr. Thick and the King of Nuance is going to go back and forth between Tim and I. You're going to be able to vote on that. You're going to be able to say who is Mr. Thick this week and who is the King of Nuance. That's why we've gone That's there. Right. But again, the other club is simply uh, named after a club started by Winston Churchill and Effie Smith. Um, both Churchill and Smith were not invited to join a, um, a, a popular political dining club known as the club. So they had the a whole bunch club, of buddies. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, 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 maybe the moderate club you might, you might call it. So yeah. they weren't invited to that club. And so they started their own club and to, to create a contrast, they just called it the other club. And that's really kind of what we're doing. You and I are talking about developing a Christian worldview. We're talking about all of the themes that uh, our other shows like the Liberty Dispatch, uh, like Open Mic, like, like, our, our, like our event show, the Liberty Lounge. We're, we're touching into that world, but we're, we're the other club. We're kind of dining. You know, we're, 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 we're going to di- be it's together. It's dining room political talk. That's right. It's dining table right. political talk. Um, and so I didn't wear my white tie today, but you will see, you'll see a little yeah, bit we'll more do, of that as the show develops. We'll some fun with so, that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So it's good. To, it's good to work with you, Mike. I'm I'm really thankful that we're on this uh, journey together. Uh, I want to I want to take us right into some of what's been going on. We're talking about free speech today. This is all about liberty, right? Winston Churchill, one of our great heroes um, for Western liberty. Some say one of the uh, saviors of Western liberty at a critical time in history, of course, uh, in finding inspiration there. But we're talking about free speech as it pertains to liberty and specifically in Canada. And just to kind of popcorn a few things that we're tying together this week, um, we've got the Fraser Institute study, which uh, has listed Canada as having fallen off for the first time out of the top 10 uh, freest countries in the world. We've got Jordan Peterson being censored by the College of Psychologists um, for his uh, political commentary uh, on Twitter. We've got Josh Alexander, the high school student, who was actually this week in a breaking development arrested outside of his Catholic high school in Renfrew. And so there are some serious concerns developing. We've got Bill C-11, um, which has uh, just passed in Canada. There are some serious concerns developing in Canada, especially around the idea of speech and where that could land you depending on the things that you choose to say out loud. And so, Mike, I just want to get you into the conversation quickly. Um, how do you reflect when, when you think of free speech, when you think of liberty? Uh, where does your mind go? So I think there's uh, – our listeners have heard us say this before, but as we're talking broadly about this, repeating ourselves is is useful. 
So free speech is people having the capacity to have enough freedom to criticize the government towards reform, to speak freely enough to offer a free exchange of ideas in commerce, and to also produce a witness testimony to bear witness to an injustice where they're not um, arbitrarily restricted. And so free speech is not freedom to say whatever you want at any time to anyone. You can't incite violence upon, you know, a, 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 an innocent crowd. You, you, you can't just get up in front of uh, the world and lie without the, 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 you know, create a slanderous situation. So I, I just want to bring you to the scriptures on this. And it's Deuteronomy 1, 16 to 18. And I'm going to explain this to everybody. And then I know you've got a passage you want to talk about. So this is Moses explaining to the leaders what he's done for Israel over the last number of years. And he says this, I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly. Whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien or an immigrant, do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man for judgment belongs to God. Okay, so here you have the process of listening to somebody coming and saying, I've got a dispute. And there has to be enough freedom that those witnesses can do that. And, and here's what you can't do. You can't say, oh, here is a rich, wealthy, powerful, influential, politically connected man. And here is a non-connected individual. Or you can't say, oh, that person is an attractive individual. That person's an ugly individual. You can't say here is a, a beautiful woman who is luring me with, uh, with, with her beauty. And I'm, then I'm going to ignore someone who is, who is not. You have to listen. There has to be enough freedom. You can't create a system that arbitrarily shuts uh, the witness bearing side of things down. And, and of course this comes from like these types of texts assume we're creating God's image, assume that we have a intrinsic value. And of course, historically this progressed over you, you, you have the reformers, you, then you have the, the you know, the, the enlightenment writers, you have the framers of the con the, the, the modern constitutions who all develop this rights language because of this, you have to have enough freedom to bear witness. And I know you've got a really pointed scripture towards this, Tim, because we were talking about that ahead of time. Yeah. So well, you, you did a nice job there reminding us that free speech is the, is the liberty to give witness to injustice. And I don't think anybody in Canada would argue that that's not something we want to protect is the ability to tell the truth about an, uh, this is the whole idea of bringing a, a witness into court who is able to tell the truth about uh, a person's crimes. And we have this famous story. I'm just telling this anecdotally from the scriptures where King David, Israel's most famous king, um, is, is lounging at home while his troops are off at war. And he spies a beautiful woman named Bathsheba who's bathing. And uh, her husband happens to be the commander of the troops um, on the front lines. And David sees this beautiful woman and, and he uh, summons her and they sleep together and they conceive a child. And so David, not wanting to, this to turn into a national scandal, he decides to bring Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, home. 
hoping that they'll kind of set up a romantic encounter and it'll cover the conception of the child. Well, this doesn't work because Uriah won't sleep with her. So what David does is while he's on leave. And so what David does is he sends him back into the fiercest part of the battle so that Uriah will will die. And he does. He dies in battle. Um, and then this way, David is free to marry Bathsheba and again to cover the sin of their illegitimate um, their child, the conception of this child. And what happens is the prophet of the day, Nathaniel, okay, and prophet is a key figure here because he is one who's willing to speak against the cultural grain. He's willing to speak against the narrative. He's willing to tell the truth even when the truth isn't popular. And he goes to David and he tells this parable of, um, of this great injustice. And David doesn't realize the whole time that Nathaniel is speaking about him. And so when David hears this, he's enraged by this injustice. And what he doesn't realize is that Nathaniel knows all about it. And he says straight to David in a famous saying, he says, the man is you or you are the man. And so David is confronted by this prophet who is willing to tell the truth. And this is a literal classic example of freedom of speech, that somebody who's not in a position of power is able to go to a person in, in power and give and bring accountability to them, to challenge them, to give witness to an injustice. And Dan, uh, David is actually humbled by these words and, and they cut him to the heart. And this is what's so critical about free speech is that it, it gives people the ability to learn the truth and to live according to it. Whereas if you stifle that, people are trapped in their patterns. And so I'm going to let you jump back, Mike, but I'm going to pull this story forward into Jordan Peterson uh, when we get there. But uh, tell us a little bit more about how you see this in terms of Josh Alexander's plight and what's going on with, with his arrest. Yeah. So, you know, enter the, enter Josh, you know, Josh enters the conversation. He's a young, uh, 16 year old, uh, who attends a Catholic school who makes a statement from scripture that God created them male and female makes a scriptural statement and also makes a statement that there should not be, um, boys entering female washrooms. So stuff that you and I would never have even considered when we were in high school, he's got a state. Now you, you can talk, you, you can say this reflects Catholic beliefs, Catholic statements. You can say this reflects Protestant statements. You can say this reflects creational reality. Uh, you, you can, you, there's a number of reasons why, the statements on, 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 on the face of things are, are natural and normal and, and whether they're his religious views or they're just the truth, um, he makes these statements. So what happens is, is the school board expels him and then we got involved with trying to, you know, with, with trying to help the school board understand that, that they shouldn't have expelled him and asked for that expulsion to be lifted. And then he was given an order when he comes back to school after his expulsion of that semester was over that he's not to attend any of these classes where there are cross-dressing boys in them. I, and I'm not exactly sure of the, the details of, uh, of, of the makeup, but there's two individuals. So Josh returns to, to school, but then decides to attend the classes because again, it's as absurd as saying Tim really likes blue. Mike thinks, blue is not as good as red the school sides with tim on blue 
and says, well, therefore, even even the sight of Mike is offensive to Tim, so he can't go there. It's, it's utterly against your constitutional freedoms, your constitutional rights. So this is what's going on. And so, of course, it's a you – know, we're getting a media storm out of it. You know, A lot of people are following it. And you're going to get the typical villainization of Josh in the same way that Jordan Peterson has been villainized by, um, by the college because it's just – it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when Nathan the prophet or when any of us who have been prophetic social spiritual commentators have gone in and said, hey, there is something wrong here. It makes it makes all of the squishes feel really uncomfortable. It makes the guy who's making one hundred and fifty to $250,000 a year being on the school board where nobody's really watching what he's doing or she's doing, they're getting away with ridiculousness. And so everybody has this visceral reaction of, we don't like it. But that's what free speech is. It's, it's the freedom to say, pause, there is a problem going on, and I need the space to be able to declare it and then to go through the evidence. And that's actually uh, – and it goes well with the theme, and I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but in terms of the theme of the other club, the reason Churchill and his, and his um, colleagues were not invited was because their speech was considered – a little bit too extreme, a little bit uncomfortable. It didn't fit in the parameters of what polite, acceptable political speech uh, fit under. And so yeah, what did they it do? It wasn't they the right. club. It was the other club. And it turns out the guys at the other club are probably the ones telling the truth, even though the cameras are all focused on the club. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the way it is. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about gatekeepers in terms of in the Overton window. The, these people who want to keep speech in a neat and tidy box. Uh, and if you fall outside of those lines, uh, you're not considered a contributing or, you know, regenerate member of society in any way. And if I could just jump and we'll go back and forth with Josh and we'll sort of see some similarities. But I want to go to Jordan Peterson for a minute here. Um, this is this is dating all the way back um, to early January. Uh, where Tyler Dawson at the National Post is covering this story. Jordan Peterson asks Ontario court to review disciplinary proceedings that violate his free speech. Okay, so Jordan Peterson right now is a lightning rod, and he he rose to fame because of his stand on free speech. Now, we don't agree with Jordan Peterson on all of his worldview or his religious views or, or everything he says, uh, but one thing he has been consistent on is that he will not... Um, he will not um, submit to forced speech. So it went all the way back to pronouns um, in a, of six years ago. And now uh, his college of psychologists is um, forcing him and censoring him into saying, you need to take uh, social media retraining to, to train you how to speak on your social media so that you don't disgrace the profession of psychologists. And so in response, so Jordan Peterson has spoken very freely. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll see he, he does speak his mind and he's made comments about the, they put an overweight woman as the swimsuit model on sports illustrated a year ago or two years ago. And he said, this is not beautiful the way everyone's saying it is. This is not healthy. He made comments, uh, toward Gerald Butts, who he called out Gerald Butts's, um, uh, corruptions we know from a few years ago and uh, just there's there's been these comments directed towards cultural leaders institutions and specifically he was very he's been very hard on uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his liberal cabinet and their agenda 
especially revolving around climate change. So in response, the, the Post writes, in response to the complaints made against Peterson, the college has ordered that he undertake media training at his own expense. Note that it says that it has ordered him or risked the suspension of his license to practice in Ontario. Peterson himself put his practice on hold in 2017, but remains a registered clinical psychologist. He's also a professor at the University of Toronto. So the college has said, the way you talk online is undermining people's confidence in psychology. And so you, you need to learn to speak better, otherwise we're going to strip you of your license to practice psychology. And so th this is a way that the college is using the Overton window of acceptable speech. And they're saying, if you speak political views or cultural views outside of this box, you no longer represent the interests of this entire institution. And so we need to train you to talk in a way that makes the public feel good about what you do for a living so that it doesn't look bad on us. Okay. So, and here's where people miss, here's where people miss the point. Okay. So first of all, Tim, I think I'm going to make a bet on the side with Matthew, an over under bet on how many times you use the word Overton window, but you've used neat and tidy box. Overton window. And what Tim is trying to describe to you folks is that free speech is supposed to be able to talk about everything. They're, 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 the, the window is criminal behavior. The big window is criminal behavior. You, you can't use your voice to just absolutely commit fraud. That's, that's the big window. When Tim talks about the Overton window, it's, it's politicians coming along or politically minded or, or people in conflicts of interest saying, no, 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 this is the parameter. And then they shift it and they move it in the direction that they want. Tim has explained that very well in the past. I never knew what that word meant until we talked about it on our show. So thank you, Tim. So what Tim's talking about now is the, the college is, is, is creating its own little Overton window. Now, here's the deal. There's, there's a few things that are super important in the Jordan Peterson story to follow, Tim. Okay, ready? Number one, put 250 psychologists in the same room and see if they can agree upon anything. The whole discipline is pot shot theory based on human imagination. There, 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 there's very little credibility. They all have to go back to other authorities and all of those other authorities are utter conflicting, utterly conflicting. So to have, like you said, Tim, uh, uh, them saying your perspective, your methodology doesn't look good on our institution is already a false uh, assumption that the institution is unified anyways it's not a unified it's not a unified practice there's a ton of varying degrees of ideas okay number 2 free speech is closely connected to a free market free speech is closely connected to free economics so in the normal world if jordan peterson is trying to run a a a, a business a, a, a clinic and you were to go on Twitter and you were to say, I don't like the way Jordan Peterson speaks and I don't like his perspective, you would go, I don't trust that psychologist. You would not say, I don't trust all psychologists. You would say, I don't trust that psychologist. And then you would choose with your money and with your decision making not to enter into a relationship with Jordan Peterson. So the, the, the market is supposed to self-regulate that. And, and when I say the market, like, like, like just, just people bumping into each other. And this is where people get confused. They think, oh, yes, he has to be shut down. No, he doesn't have to be shut down. If he's, if he's off kilter, he will be dismissed 
by whoever wants to dismiss him. And if he's on topic, he will be... So, so this is where people get... They misunderstand the even the intent. Like, like the, the foundational intent of the college here is restrictive. It has nothing to do with being... With, with liberating anybody or protecting anybody. It's just simply a marketing point. So, and that's a good point. And that leads me to, because I, I did want to break down the logic behind some of this and, and show people actually how it affects them. Because they say, well, I don't go to psychologists or I don't know Jordan Peterson or nobody's trying to censor me, which actually that's a diminishing percent of the population who would say no one's trying to censor me. Ask people in the average workplace, the pressures they feel to put pronouns in their email signatures or to acknowledge uh, certain, um, whether it's, Aboriginal native people's land rights. There are all kinds of speech that's now being compelled in workplaces that people feel pressure to adopt. Now that aside, why does this affect you? And I just want to go through the logic here. The college is saying that these comments or behavior have the potential to undermine public trust in the discipline as a whole, which I think you just disproved. Um, nobody would logically disprove, um, disassociate from the entire practice or discipline because of Jordan Peterson. If it raises questions about the psychologist's ability to quote, carry out their duties. Now, what are the ostensible duties of a psychologist? So what they're doing is they're tying together public perception and an individual psychologist's political views or their social cultural views. And so what they're saying is you've got the, you've got the public over here that we need to keep their trust. And so if you're over here saying things that they don't trust, they won't come and, and perpetuate or patronize our services. And so, and this, by the way, psychologists are not subsidized by the government in Canada, which means that they do have to attract people to pay for their services in a way that socialized medicine doesn't. But again, that aside, uh, so they're saying, so if, if the public has a specific political view and Jordan Peterson is over here challenging that political view and thus the people in the public don't want to go see Jordan Peterson, what they're saying is this is a big problem. But the issue is what if your public has a mass psychosis or a mass uh, formation psychosis where there, there is a form of groupthink that is entirely detached from reality or a healthy way of thinking, which I believe in many ways our culture has reached. Isn't the ostensible purpose of a psychologist to disabuse the public of those notions? So what the college is saying here is you need to fulfill and confirm the biases of the population so that they come to you to what? Have their biases and their, their ideas reinforced, which is a psychologist supposed to free people from their prejudices, their harmful prejudices. So at, at face value, this is not true. It's not logical and it's not going to achieve what they think it is in terms of what the purposes of the practice are, which are to help people out of these ruts. But what they're saying is you need to confirm them so that they trust you so that they'll come pay for your services to what reinforce their prejudices. So Jordan Peterson in is in a profession where of all places now, what you think about psychology aside, you and I would both agree that whether you're a pastor or a politician or a doctor or a psychologist, you must have the right to tell the truth, to speak freely to your patient or counselee or congregant or whatever it is, right? It's critical in these professions. Yeah. And, and again, it's absurd on its face, right? He's one of the most famous psychologists in, in human history. Uh, 
like recent human history, like if you if, if you go around the globe, who knows who Jordan Peterson is? If he if his practice was just open bookings, people would be paying three hundred dollars an hour just to talk with the guy. Like I'd want to go yeah. to talk with Jordan Peterson just to say, I think you're super smart and super courageous, dude. But you rob from Christ. Like that's all you do. Whenever you say something smart, it's actually from the biblical Christian worldview. Just repent but do you want to know what i don't think i would have the capacity if i went and said i want to do that just just put your faith in christ if i wanted to schedule jordan peterson today i'd probably be on like a nine month waiting list so it's even absurd on its front because he's one of the most popular psychologists and people who want that that so let's talk let's talk about the sports illustrated uh issue because this is tough sure okay so as a pastor do I love it that Sports Illustrated puts out a swimsuit magazine that causes women to feel insecure about their bodies, that causes men to lust? Like I, you know, many many young men have grown up on the swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated. It's the precursor to a pornography addiction. Yeah. Um, and. And do so, and so, do I want them to say only these perfect airbrushed women are beautiful? And the air, and the answer would be no. I don't want them to say that. On the flip side, okay, you and I have most more recently moved to Kentucky. We are we, this is the other club because our boys uh, with the dispatch are on the front lines. We are we are building relationships and thinking and and building strategies here in the U.S. and uh, you, you're, you're on vacation still. You're just, you're, uh, you're just visiting me right now, but we're together right now for this time. And, um, we would notice that within America, obesity is a problem. We would, and we would notice that in Canada too. That is because we have access to a tremendous amount of food and gluttony is a real issue. Uh, if I constantly overeat bit by bit by bit, and I'm inactive, I get fat. So here I have, as, as a Christian man, as a pastor, I have this con- conflicting idea. Are the women of the swimsuit, the previous swimsuit editions, gorgeous women that I should go buy that and then lust after them? No. The answer is no. They, they, sh- they shouldn't even be publishing a swimsuit edition in order to lure men into lust. And are women of many different body shapes actually beautiful? Yes. Like you, you look at many men who have loved their wives for a long time. And even though they get older, they have children, their bodies change and they are not what they were when they were 16 to 22. They are still utterly gorgeous women that we are attracted to. In fact, we become more attracted to them, more faithful we are to them. So all it to say, Peterson may have been too blunt on that one. He, he might have been too critical. We, we want women to be honored and we want different types of beauty to be honored. The flip side of it is, is you also don't want to promote gluttony. And so it, if someone is – they're not going to go to Peterson for that. Yeah. And the point is the guy made a comment on, on a, this Sports Illustrated thing and people said – 
you're not a trustworthy psychologist and you need to be retrained in how you speak accord, you know, because of this one thing. And, and again, the, the issue is, is that you talk about free market economy. We, we don't have that in, in the realm of words because the psychology college has said, we need to regulate speech. We need to make sure that people don't have to make those decisions for themselves. We will make sure that our uh, psychologists think the same way, speak the same way, live the same way, so that it's a uniform product. And of yes, course, they're after we, uniformity. Right. They're exactly. They're after uniformity of thought, uniformity of political affiliation, uh, and this is we would just not. This is. Uh, what is it? You're the president of what? The Liberty Coalition Canada. So we we stand against this, and this and this is not just the, the college. Our federal government engages in this, in this shaping of the of what acceptable speech is. We've got new censorship bills that are going through um, the House of Commons right now, and they've received um, passage. They're going to the Senate, and they'll receive royal assent. And there's just this social engineering that says we will tell you what is acceptable speech. When you put your mouth to the public, to a microphone, whatever it is. And this is, and this is why the Fraser Institute has taken notice and has demoted Canada. And it, like, do you want to be the prime minister that presides over Canada tumbling out of the top 10 freest countries in the world? Is this the legacy that Justin Trudeau, can you just play Justin Trudeau for a minute and like, just speak it from the other side, Mike, if you can, you're good at this. How would you defend censorship bills and um you know you're one of the one of canada's greatest intellectual exports jordan peterson being censored by his own institution they should be applauding him and th like you said thanking him for bringing attention to the discipline um but when, when your top intellectual export is being stifled in his own association when the fraser institute demotes you out of the top 10 freest countries you're justin trudeau and his cabinet how do you answer from their worldview why this is actually good and they'll all catch up and eventually they'll figure it out just like us. I mean, can you play that other side for us? What's the argument here for making Canada better through these things that are what we would call detrimental, harmful? So Jordan and Josh are the same in this category because of course Josh is being told to conform by the school board to all types of ideology that is even in conflict with their title, a Catholic high school. So I think th here's the defense, Tim. And, and this is, again, where the nature of the conversation is so important. Those who promote free speech can do it from either side. We can always use free. It, 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 it's like a, it's a double edged sword where some people is going to say speech Every everybody has to say speech has to be curtailed at some point. And everybody is going to say free speech is important. The difference is are you promoting free speech in order to promote justice, to promote liberty, to promote human responsibility? Or are you promoting free speech both with its freedoms and its parameters? in order to socially manage people as a group of elites. It always comes back to that old antage. If you won't follow the 10 commandments, you'll follow 10,000 other commandments. 
that that you and I we've talked about this before. Everybody knows that Liberty Liberty Coalition Canada and and Fight Laugh Feast Network and uh, our affiliation with Christian Week. No, we all there's no neutrality. We are all promoting a worldview. That worldview has certain freedoms and it has certain restrictions. Trudeau is just going to say those freedoms have got to be a lot less, and it needs a managing group of people because. We know best and we're trying to fabricate – again, we won't let the market check itself. We won't let, we won't let people not buy Jordan Peterson's book. We're going to censor the book where we would say, no, let them have freedom to write the book and then we'll criticize the book if we need to. And we'll criticize it strategically if we want it to tank. But we're going to let the book be published and we're going to try to persuade people. So it's this freedom towards persuasion – Rather than freedom, rather than, you know, the same type of people saying freedom for certain individuals and utter um, uh, silencing of, of other individuals. So I want to point out, because I think you've done a good job of just exemplifying this, you just critiqued Jordan Peterson's comment on the swimsuit edition. You said too blunt, too harsh, um, didn't take into account, um, you know, the way that it has traditionally stereotyped women and made women insecure and made men lust. And so maybe it's a good thing that it's not that way. So we were, you know, we've interacted with Peterson and said, we don't stand by his comment. However, what we find inappropriate is the management and the retraining is so that he doesn't make such comments in the future. And so we agree people should be able to say what they, what they feel, what they believe, uh, so long as it doesn't fall within the criminal bounds. That's the large window you talked about. Mike, I want to finish our time on this free speech episode talking about political speech for a moment. Um, you and I have been involved in, in some political campaigns, and um, we, we've seen a number of big, important elections happen in Canada in the last few years. Um, I want to talk about this because this, this is something that I have paid keen attention to, and you mentioned um, uh, your having moved in the United States and me visiting here and seeking um, residency here in the United States as well. This is one thing that the Canadian media in terms of political speech and the, the Overton window of what is acceptable. This is one thing that they really center on. Um, the, the CBC wrote a, a piece a few uh, month ago, month or two ago, political issues are being weaponized at the expense of national unity says Eurasia's group. Eurasia Group's top risk report. Um, we have Andrew Coyne, who has written on polarization in Canada. Uh, the media environment in Canada and the social media environment is increasingly resembling the media and social media environments of the United States. And so there's this idea that the peace and the unity in Canada are being threatened by a environment or a, or a speech pattern or a... Um, a flavor of communication um, that is too American and, and Liberty coalition has taken some heat for being a little bit too American being disinvited from certain events. And so I want to talk about this. I'm going to read from Andrew Coyne, just a little paragraph here, Mike, and then I want you to interact with a little bit and we're going to, we're going to show how this is being used. This is, this is this free speech censorship is happening to everybody, whether they know it or not, whether they have a college sending them emails or not and sending them to retraining. The retraining is happening through our exposure to this type of narrative. Listen to Andrew Coyne. Polarization indeed is not always a bad thing. Consensus seeking incrementalism may often be the most likely path to achieve results. 
but sometimes you have to make a choice. Sometimes large and sudden change is unavoidable. And sometimes this will open up or expose deep divisions in society. We would agree with that. Free trade was an example of this kind of fundamental choice, and so were the deficit-cutting budgets of the 1990s. And then he goes on to say, but I'm, I, I, this moment is different. But that's not what's rolling out in our politics at the moment. The problem is not polarization, but extremism. That's where you're being censored. Just take note. Calling it polarization is a misnomer, not only because it exaggerates our differences, but because it implies a false equivalence, as if there were equal fault on both sides, as if the issues were merely that people disagreed. My point is not that there are more or worse extremists on one side or the other, though that is certainly true of the most vir uh, virulent extremism, which is more likely to be found among the right than the left at the moment. So what Andrew Coyne here is saying is that this is not polarization. This is extremism. If you are dare to speak like Josh Alexander and, and declare that God made male and female and that boys shouldn't go in the girls' bathrooms, you're an extremist. And the police with their handcuffs are there to remind you what is extreme speech in Canada. And so you, this is how I want to tie this together for our listeners. You are being censored now by living in the, in the stream, in the pool of the political narrative of, in Canada. Because if you fall outside, if, if you disagree virulently or um, vehemently with transgender ideology, which is being protected in Canadian law, if you disagree with that, you are not a polarizing figure. You're an extreme figure. And so this is being washed over us and we are being conditioned to accept this middle incrementalism where it says, well, it's okay to give minor surgeries to conform to their gender ideology. This is Canadian acceptable political speech. And I have more to say, but I want to take a break and give you a chance to jump in here. Well, I think that the word incrementalism that you just used is important. And it, I would just say this, that article is marketed incrementalism from the left. And again, it's a part of that. It's a part of defying the command of do not lie. So I'll give you an example. When I grew up, it was a really big deal to call people too religious. When I'm looking at the creation of the other club, Winston Churchill, who became one of the greatest war heroes and um, most infamous figures of the Second World War and so helpful with thought, he was, he was accused of being too controversial. So they always changed the word. They always changed the word in, in order to try to make you feel like like culture is something different now. So you were too religious, too controversial, too passionate. And for the onlooker, that is often the case. You know, I, I, every once in a while I wake up in the morning and I go, if someone only listened to my podcasts, the stuff that I say or the people I interview or when I sit with Tim or when I sit with the other guys, would they think I'm way more of a jerk than I am if they knew me personally? Now, usually I answer, 
No. The people who know me best know I'm really terrible. But the point is that you and I have been called all of those names. Extremist is is now just shorthand for anybody with an opinion. So that that's what I'm trying to that's that's what I'm trying to display there, Tim. So when you ask the question, what's kind you know, how do we analyze this? You have someone who is trying again to 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 say we need to be unified. And we do. We do want peace and we do want unity. But they always want to try to find peace in exchange for truth. And truth has to actually come for first in order for peace to really reign. It's the same thing with the you know the watering down of the church, right? Everyone's all about, you know, peace and unity and ooey gooey, lovey dovey. When it's like, no, no, there's a very truthful statement. God created the world, humanity fall fell because of sin. Sin is attractive to us, so we'll love to do it. We're totally depraved. God saved us by sending his son. If you believe in his son, you receive mercy. If you reject his son, you receive condemnation and are judged. That manifests itself eternally, either to have be in the eternal presence of God or to be outside of the eternal presence of God and to be condemned by God forever. That is the heart of the gospel message. It requires nine or 10 truthful statements. Now, it can create a tremendous amount of unity, but it, you can't avoid the truth. And so I just think, again, this is your age-old bait-and-switch trying to make people feel guilty, and I just don't feel guilty anymore. Call me what you want. I, I, I do want to, I would want to make one distinction because they do it with the Muslims, okay? So they say extreme – in order to say Muslim extremists – they do that actually to close the gap between just the authoritative texts of Islam and an, a natural outliving of the worldview. They want every they don't want people to see how natural that outworking is, so they call a few examples extremists, so they try to widen the gap. And for us Christians, they want to narrow the gap. Because because we're not as we're not as extreme we're not teaching people to go strap bombs to themselves and 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 walk into crowded areas. We are teaching people to persuade people of the truth of the gospel and to do that passionately and if need to defend other people if arms is necessary. So they're trying to close that gap. They're trying to make every Christian feel extreme. So rather than they're trying to make no Muslim seem extreme. And of course that's just a tactic and you have to see it as that. Andrew Coyne is one of those guys who used to write on write W R I T E uh, on the right R I G H T of the political spectrum. He's known as a conservative commentator, but what has happened to him is 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 emblematic is in this example of what has happened to so many, which is that you're not allowed to exist in that space comfortably anymore. And so you shift left. And so this is this incre incrementalism. When the box gets pulled, you to, in order to stay in it, you got to leapfrog to the left over and over and over again. And the things that in the 1990s, Andrew Coyne would have called um, extreme leftism have become the mainstream in Canadian politics and culture. So 
what people like Andrew Coyne are not recognizing and Canadians largely have not recognized is that they have been pulled to the left and then the left yells at them when they espouse a right wing political or cultural view or just an alternative view. This is why Jordan Peterson blew up the internet. He blew up the global stage when he just refused to go along with the compelled speech, things that in the 1990s would have been considered outrageous demands and, and, and radically bizarre. And it would have been a great example of, of a psychologist saying, now here's some mentally ill people saying, this is what, how I want you to identify me. And a psychologist stands up and says, well, I'm glad you asked because I'm actually in the business of disabusing you of your fantasies. It would have been a great cultural example to say, look, this is a man in his profession doing what he's supposed to do in the real world with his students. So Andrew Coyne has not recognized that from the 1990s until now, how far left he has drifted. And he's called that sort of principled incrementalism in order to, in, in order to progress. But again, the things that are now mainstream criminal code and political speech in Canada are atrociously um, tyrannical and left as compared to what they used to be. And so again, if you want to see your country progress in a way that is conservative and toward liberty and toward freedom, you have got to be comfortable sitting outside of that comfortable political speech. You've got to be able to take the arrows and say, yeah, you can call me an extremist, but I still think that God created men and women. I mean, do you think that, do you think that most 16 year olds dream of being arrested? Um, you know, for, for saying something as basic as that, the things that I was saying in high school to my biology teacher and my classmates regarding the truth, I'd have been arrested multiple times over, not something I want on my criminal record when I'm applying for schools, right. Or making travel plans internationally. These things are not advantageous for young people to go through. Um, but if you want to be true to the truth, if you want to live as a, as a self-confident person who understands and knows the truth, you need to be a comfortable living in that other club, if you will. I, I like that. I like how you just finished off with the other club. Cause that's, that's really where we're at. And, um, we need to be willing to be a little bit of outliers right now. And so that, that's, this has been a great conversation, Tim, uh, everyone who's listening. We're so thankful for you starting up with us and, and queuing up with us. Uh, we're literally going to be uh, probably eating food with our mouths open for one show just to make sure that you understand the, 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 the ethos of this. And of course, this is, this is our, this is our weekly, this is our weekly kind of glimpse into what uh, Tim's uh, monthly show is the, the Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso. This is kind of our, you know, our, our smaller, more dining club version of that. And we look forward to having the other guys come on when we're at special events. And so this is, I'm, I'm excited about this. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tim, do you want to sign off or should I just sign off and tell everybody to subscribe and do all that type of stuff? Since we're figuring it out. Yeah. You, you should subscribe. Mike, thanks for bringing that up. Subscribe to our rumble channel. Um, and you're going to see all this come out in it, in its channels and streams. So subscribe, get it on your phone, uh, tell your friends about it because, um, we can make the other club a really great place, um, for you, your friends, and we can be each other's friends in this. And I'm not trying to sound, uh, like a loser, but, um, the bigger the other club gets, the more of us, we will be the club, but we're still going to call it the other club. So subscribe. Uh, check out all those things. Um, support our the Liberty Defense Fund for Josh Alexander and the other cases that we're representing. 
And please join us every week on Wednesdays for The Other Club. And thanks for joining us today. We will see you next Wednesday. (laughs) 